If you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. So, Ed, we're sitting out here in the forest, and it is like Indian summer. It is. It's Which lovely. I, I don't really know exactly what that means, but apparently it is this warm patch that you always get. I don't know why they call it Indian summer. That that feels to me like insensitive to... I've been hearing it since I was a kid. Uh, I have no idea Indians what it actually means. Or whatever, right? Right. But it's unseasonably warm. It's like 80 out here or whatever. Well, yeah. So what you get is in the fall, it'll get cool for a little bit, and then you'll have like a week where it like bursts out and gets super warm. And I can't decide if it's a if it's a, like a nice little gift and a blessing, or if it's just like a, a little, you know. Well, I, I think the fact that you call it Indian summer is betrays a little bit like, do you th- see this positive? Then it's like a positive thing that, I don't, I don't know. Right. I'm probably just getting myself in trouble here by talking about Native Americans and Either way, whatever. we're Whatever, it is this little patch of warm weather right. after it was cool in September, and now it's like the 1st of October, and it's... It's like, God, it's like 80 degrees out here. I should have forest. gone with my lightweight Carhartt t-shirt rather than the heavier fabric Carhartt t-shirt. Well, I was leaving the house to come and meet you, and my wife said, are you wearing that? And, and I was like, well, as a matter of fact, I, I, actually, I am wearing this. Yes. And she's like, well, you know, you have like nice t-shirts and shorts and everything, and you're wearing the, like these ratty... Right. You know, thanks. And I said, well, I'm just going to meet Ed at the taco diner, and then we're going to drive out to the secret location. Right. You know, to the secret compound, and we're going to sit outside, you know, in the pines and record. And she's like, and you're going to wear that? And I go, yeah. I mean, I'm not dressing up for Ed. And and there's there's no way that you're going to, you know... That I'm setting some some sort of standard that you can't meet or anything. I mean, well, I'm wearing the same thing, right? Well, that's what Basically. I told her. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm, I, you know, a. I guarantee you, I'm not gonna be worse dressed than Ed, right? And you know, if I thought, you know, I should dress up a little bit for Ed, that would be a little weird. No, this is one of the. This is what I like about dudes hanging out is right. that nobody even thinks about that. Nobody says, "Oh, you're. Why should have worn that? I, I didn't know you were gonna wear those." Nobody, we don't, we don't, that's, that's, that women do that. Men don't do that. Men don't say, oh yeah, but, oh my gosh. I should." Well, I, you know. I have a theory that's almost certainly going to get me in trouble. I've already gotten in trouble with the Indian summer right. thing so far. And let's this, just go right over the edge. And, and let's just go plunge over the waterfall here. And, and that is, I have a theory that, that women <clears throat> mostly dress and quaff themselves their hair right. and this, that to impress other women. Well, yeah. Because like, do you even notice your wife's shoes? No, I couldn't tell Have you. Have you yeah. ever noticed your wife's shoes? Off and on, but yeah. I, I don't. If you, if you put 10 pairs of shoes in front of me and said five of those are your wives, and I, 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 don't I, know. I, I wouldn't know. But right. they all know about each other's shoes. And I, you know, I'm looking at you across the table, and right. I can see your T-shirt, but I, I have already forgotten what color right. your shorts are or what I think I've wearing. forgotten which shorts I put on this morning. <laughs> when, when, I, when my wife travels for work sometimes, my brother-in-law will say, her brother will say, 
what are you going to do while your wife is gone? And I'll, I say, are you kidding? I'm, I'm wearing the same shirt every day. Well, and I'm eating, I'm eating uh, Dinty Moore beef stew out of the can <laughs> over the sink. <laughs> so, okay, we, you know, this is a Considering Catholicism podcast, so we have to get to something uh, more substantial than this. Sure. But I do want to bring up, are we prepared to share this, that if you enjoy Ed and I's banter, Ed and I are, will soon be launching a, a second podcast. So in addition to the Considering Catholicism podcast, we're going to have another podcast in which Ed and I banter and converse about many topics, uh, right. not, not Catholicism, but other topics. And so if you enjoy hearing Ed and I converse yeah, and banter. We can go a little farther off the reservation than we no, do here. There is going to be no reservation. Oh, there's not the even a, okay. No, it's just going to be like. That's another Native American joke. We're Well, we're, we're going to talk about topics that we think are interesting about all about life and, and interesting topics, and we'll, right. we'll sit in, you know, banter. And I am going to compose intro and outro music. Yes, you are. You're going to write, and I almost guarantee you it's going to have surf guitar in it or something. I hope not. Really? You hope not? I don't know. I'm I was going to throw of, a little lap steel you know, in there, too. Well, I don't know. I, I'm... We're going to have we'll to talk see. about that on the other podcast because I have mixed feelings about the surf guitar. But anyway, now I'm looking at the timer and we've already wasted five minutes oh bantering and we haven't gotten to Catholicism. So here's the topic for today. Typically, we talk about doctrinal things. But today, I want to talk about something that is, I do think it's doctrinal, but it starts at sort of a more personal and practical level. And that's this. What duty or responsibility do we have before God to become the best version of ourselves that mm. we can? So, you know, we we talk about sanctification, right? We've talked about this a hundred times on the podcast, the notion that Christ saves us, mm -hmm. that's salvation, but then there's this process after that of sanctification, becoming holy. Right. Right? And so part of it is that we aren't saved just for no reason, we are saved to become, in a sense, saints, ultimately. Yes, on right? our way. On our way. And so along the way, there is this process of perfecting us, right? Right. Now, my thing is that so often in contemporary Christianity, and I include some forms of contemporary and progressive Catholicism in this, the notion is, is that God just accepts us as we are. Right. And that there's not any expectation or responsibility that we would change. So the idea is, you know, come as you are. God loves you and forgives you. And he loves you exactly as you are. Right. And he has no expectation or demand for you to become better than you are. Yeah. And it was that in evangelicalism that attitude that one of the things that led me to catholicism because i was so attracted to the notion of sanctification through the sacraments through the devout and holy life through you know the models of the saints that god wants us to become the best possible version of ourselves but i see this creeping into because i think it's so much a part of our uh, early 21st century culture. Yeah, oh yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. And, and, and I see it creeping into Catholicism too, this notion that whatever you are, however you are, whatever's wrong with you, it's good. God accepts right. it. He loves you as you are. Just be as you are. And, and, and I think, 
I would put this under the category of stewardship. Okay. Right? This word stewardship, right? And a lot of times we talk about stewardship in terms of money. You know, like, are you going to be a good steward of your money, right? So Jesus has all of these parables. It's based on the biblical principle that God gives us time, talent, treasures, uh, you know, a formula that's often used in church, right? And then he expects us to be good stewards of them. And so he has these parables where he says, you know, there's, you know, the three stewards or this or that, three servants, and, and they take care of things. The idea of a steward is that you are responsible for managing something that you don't own. And so the notion is a lot of times applied in our finances that God gives us financial resources and we're supposed to manage those well so that we can tithe to the church or something. The other thing now that you hear about stewardship in contemporary and progressive Christianity and Catholicism all the time is stewardship of the earth. So when it comes to climate change and ecology, then so, you know, God wants me to, you know, put money in the basket on Sunday and and drive an electric vehicle right? and not use plastic straws. right? But if every other part of my life is a slovenly mess, right? so I don't take care of my health, I'm, you know, we're, uh, we're all overweight, you know, right? right? But I mean, but I don't care. I just, you know, right. I'm grossly overweight. I don't watch anything. I smoke, I this, I that, I right. drink. My home is a mess. My relationships are a mess. I misuse my time. I'm basically... Can I say slob? Sure. I'm basically a big slob in my life. But I put some money in the collection plate right. and I and, and I recycle. And I recycle. I separate my trash and I drive an electric vehicle. So right. that's all God expects of me. Right. And I guess I've just been ruminating <clears throat> I've been ruminating it lately about how I, I really feel like our culture is so off base and I think that we're a bad witness to Christ because I think God calls us to be because of stewardship everything belongs to my body right my you know not just my body and my money yep but everything my relationships my time the things around me my environment the the people I the, the, the opportunities I have to interact with people and if you think about all the ways that I sort of misuse the gift of life Mm -hmm. the gift of my own life that God expects me to take care of this gift and to, in a sense, as much as I can, because I'll never become perfect, right? but as much as I can attempt to improve and perfect it. Yeah. Now, me evangelical days, I would have said, oh, you can't fix yourself. Here's this Catholic trying to fix yourself or save yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. Christ saves me. But maybe I don't need to stuff four donuts in my mouth in the morning and drive through McDonald's and 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 squander my time. Right. On, on worthless things and mismanage the relationships in my life and scroll my Facebook on my phone for an hour before I go to sleep so I don't get good sleep and I wake up, you know, unhealthy right. and, you know, I haven't walked my dog and, you know, I mean, right. I could go down the whole list of ways that, right. you know, my life is just not the life that I could be living. And so I've been ruminating a lot lately that stewardship calls me to attempt to become the best version of myself that I can. Well, you say that it's, you it's not, you know, it's not a doc necessarily a doctrinal thing, but you then you said it, you, you thought maybe it was. I think it is because in the evangelical world, we are told that we're saved by grace and that there's nothing we can do. I mean, if you're going to be a strict Calvinist, you don't even 
you don't even want to unless God wants you to. So it's, you know, uh, what's the point of trying to behave if there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation other than act out of a sense of gratitude, but it's pretty easy to slip out of that. Right. You know, I'm 60 pounds overweight. Does God still love me? Of course he loves me. So let's have another donut. All the bad habits, all the things. Yeah. Now, let's just be real clear. Neither of us is is, is skinny, necessarily. Right. We've had I've been skinny at different parts of our lives, right? Right. But especially as we get older, we're less and less skinny. But we're not here deprecating somebody who struggles with weight issues or genetics. That's not my our point. Right. My point is, and that's why I phrase it this way, that we're to be the best possible versions of ourselves. So well, neither of us is ever going to have, you know, 7% body fat and, and a six-pack ab, and right. God's not asking me to do that. Right. But I can ask questions about my nutrition sure, and how well I take care of myself. I, I'm, As you know, I've been doing a lot of work lately with some, some medical and neuroscience projects, yeah, yeah. and the more I am involved in some of those writing projects and things, the more I realize how much of our behavior is self-destructive of our physical and mental health. Right. And I think that's one of the things that's prompting this is like a lot of what's wrong with us is self-imposed. Yeah. Uh, And managing relationships. Okay. So look in the the lives of people you know, Christians you know, who have bad relationships with their immediate family, their kids, strange relationships with kids or siblings or- parents or bad relationships with neighbors, right? They mismanage those things. They mismanage their interactions with people. You know, it's embarrassing to me sometimes. I mean, I've been with Christians, friends, colleagues, whatever, and we're out in public and to see how maybe they interacted with somebody. Right. And you kind of go, well, you know, I'm saved by Jesus. And they go, well, yeah, but you're you're just were a jerk. Right. To a waitress or to the lady at the, the check-in desk at the flight, right. you know, whatever, yeah. by the gate check-in, and you just you were abusive to her. Right. Yeah, Jesus died on a cross for you, but not so that you could treat right. people badly. Well, the thing that happens is if you think that you can count on Jesus to save you from your sins and act however you want, you're assuming that God is just kind of dumb and won't see it. And and like right. uh, my, my mom used to say to me, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked." Well, you know, right? I mean, Jesus saves us, and then right? Okay, so there's the parable he tells about the talents, right? Right. So he says, "Okay, there's this king or this lord or whatever, and the guy is going to go away on a trip." Remember this one? Yeah, sure. And the gospels, and and Jesus says, "Well, the the first guy brings in, he gives him five talents, and that, it gets confusing because we think of talent as a thing, but it's right. a, a weight a." a yeah. It's a measure of money, yeah. and it's a lot. It's like a million bucks. <clears throat> so he's like, he gives the first guy five million bucks of his portfolio and says, right. here, you know, manage this $5 million asset. <clears throat> and then he brings the other guy in and gives him three million, and he gives the third guy a million. And then the owner, the Lord, the king or whatever, goes away for a year and comes back, and he calls his servants in and says, all right, give an account. So the guy that he entrusted with five million in assets comes in and says, look, I invested, I've, I've been productive with it, and I've turned it into 10. And then the guy with three says, look, I've been productive with it, and I turned your three into six. Right. And then he brings in the last guy, and he says, well, I took the million, and I was, and I basically buried it in the yard, did nothing right. with it. And I have nothing to show. I haven't produced anything with it. Right. 
you know, and there's more nuance to the parable than that, sure. obviously. And, yep. you know, I'm not here to, you know, unpack the parable. But the point is, is that in the same way, God gives us all these things. And when when we look at everything from your sleep to your relationships, to your pets, to your body, to your nutrition, to your the state of your mind, to your time, to what you look at. You and I were talking over, over lunch at the diner. We were talking about music and stuff yeah. and how, you know, I, I look back to when I was about 12, 13 years old and I started listening to the, you know, rock and roll Yep. and it's, it's taken me now like 40 years to realize or more, you know, approximately, right. <laughs> right. To sort of realize that all of those people who made all that music were like dysfunctional, miserable yeah. people. They were all drug addicts and suicides and crashed yep. airplanes and like their lives were complete messes yep and i allowed them to insert you know mind viruses into my brain sure. you know in terms of imagery and these things for 40 something years and how much did that and so when i look at when i'm going to pick up a book am i am i reading something that's worthwhile i'm going to scroll the internet am i scrolling the internet at things that are right. that are worthwhile and so in all of these things everything from my nutrition to my sleep to to how I dress. Okay. Right. You and I were talking before we turned on the recorder. And we, we've both been a part of a lot of churches. Yep. And in that evangelical world, there's been this big move in the last, what, 30, 40 years to like make it casual. Right. Right. So people used to dress up the church and then they realized, no, you can just come as you are. Right. And then that got real extreme. And you and I were both part of a church for a number of years. Right. And the whole... At the beginning, it was like, well, we're in this downtown area with these college students and everybody. And so we just want to be like super casual, like this coffee house. I can just kind of come in and hang out in the coffee house and have church, right? But after a while, it just became, uh, what's the word? Like, I don't know, slovenly? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's sloppy. It's like at some point you go, all right, you're going to show up in, in dirty cargo shorts that you pulled out of the laundry pile. Right. Uh, and you didn't comb your hair and you're just going to slouch in here and eat three donuts while you listen to to the right. sermon. And at some point along the way, it went from, hey, no, but you don't need to wear you know, an expensive suit and tie to church to right. God right. doesn't care. And one, that's one of the things I think it was that was that period where I was considering Catholicism myself. And I went, right. I'm just sort of tired of this notion that God doesn't care if I'm a slob. Right. Well, when I was growing up, there was there was a lot of reverence. I was in the Baptist church, right? But right. there was a lot of reverence. You put on nice clothes. I had to wear my little, you know, my little bow tie or whatever. And you had to be quiet and you had to sit and listen. And when I got involved in the big evangelical world, it was just the Wild West, right? And one time, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I was talking to my Uncle Ted, who, if he were alive now, he'd be in his 90s, but he said, he, they went. He and his my my aunt went to the Methodist church someplace, and they were and they. He said, "For Pete's sake, Ed." He said, "This is like thirty years ago." He said, "The organist comes in, and she sits down on the organ, and she puts a cup of coffee on the side of the organ." And I'm thinking to myself, "You can't go one hour without a cup of coffee." Right. And to him, it was irreverent, and it and it was what's the word I'm looking for. You just weren't, you just, it showed that she didn't think there was much value to yeah. it. And I miss that. And when I have interacted with the Catholic Church in the past, mostly weddings, I've gone to some Catholic mm-hmm. weddings, uh, I have always thought, oh, I, every time I'd think, 
oh, I like this. This is yeah. There's there, something there, higher here, and I'm, there, there's yeah. a greater sense of reverence and respect. And I think that the sacraments and the Eucharist, and you know, I would go eat though to the point though outside church. And I look at it this way, like the back to the parable, the stewards and the talents or whatever. If you say to me, I've just become a Christian, right. I've just converted to Christianity, Catholicism, and I've got all this broken stuff in my life, like my health and my nutrition is bad. And again, like, please hear what I'm saying if you're right. listening. I'm not saying that we don't have health problems and that right. all of our health problems are in our control. I am not saying that, okay? We, we have a lot of health problems, all of us do, that are outside our control. But what I am saying is I don't take care of myself. Like you could. I, I neglect my health. I neglect my health. I neglect my sleep. I neglect my nutrition. I neglect caring properly for my finances. All of my relationships are kind of broken. Uh, I don't use my time well. I uh, look at things or read things or consume entertainment that's unhealthy for me. Right? right. Yep. Maybe I even look at and consume things that are sinful. You know, I don't walk my dog. I don't go to church like I should. I don't. I, I, so they have this whole list of things. Right. I go, well, congratulations. You know, you've accepted Jesus Christ and you're accepted into the church right. and you're baptized and wonderful. And you go, hey, I'll check in on you in, say, 10 years right. or 20 years. And you go, and guess what? When I check in, I go, you're no better. Right. Right. You're, you're almost that whole checklist. Nothing is improved. Right. Now, am I saying that we save ourselves by, you know, because that would be the charge. Oh, you're saying that we say, no, that's not what I'm saying. I accept that you accepted Jesus Christ and he saved you from your sins. But, but you, it's made no, it's made no difference in your life. Right. And you haven't made it make a difference. Because while Jesus saves you by dying on the cross, he then gives you the opportunity to be a steward of all of the gifts and opportunities he's given you. Right. And he expects you to what? Grow into maturity. I mean, the New Testament's full of this, right? Become mature in Christ. Put on the mind of Christ, right? Metanoia. Have a change of mind. Right. A growth in maturity. And so my question is, do we ever become more mature? Right. And becoming mature, mature in Christ... Do we, over time, all of those lists of things, everything from my right. health to my time to my relationships to my finances to, right. the, you know, my possessions, my, yep. you know, I, I, the whole list of stuff that basically yeah. is in, con- that I have, co- that I have some control of in my right. life. Right. 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 Now, granted, there's some things you don't have control of. There are relationships you can try, then the person rejects right. you. There are things that you can try to do with your health, right? Like I try to right. eat better and I try to exercise and I try to get good sleep, but I still got broke my right. leg or got bone cancer or whatever, right? right? I get all that, right? Right. But but the thing is, is that to the degree that it is up to me in, in service to Jesus Christ and, and inspired by his example and my desire to grow in maturity and in grow in holiness, right? I have, to whatever degree it's up to me, matured and grown and improved and become a better steward of all the things that God has given me control of. Right. And I think that when I look at my own life, this is one of the things that I increasingly have awareness of, that I have not grown as much as I ought to have grown. Yep. I I think the evangelical church has done me a disservice at times by 
reminding me fairly constantly that that I need to be the uh, the guy one of the guys who preaches there's several preachers one of the preachers who preaches at this big church that my wife and I go to evangelical church <clears throat> said like last year I think it was that every once in a while you have to get out in the woods and lay on your face and grab up rip up big handfuls of dirt and just tell God what a worm you are what a horrible person you are and how how grievously you've sinned and so forth and so on and I and I thought well I know what he means but there's this what the end the end effect is that I feel guilty when I start to think that hey maybe I'm improving you know it I'm I'm humble if I if I say oh you know what I'm just broken and there's and I and I can't I'm just a worm and God is I'm just lucky God's even looking my way and and then that that then that effect is that I think well I don't know I what's the point of trying here I'm just a worm you know that thing about going out in the woods that that <clears throat> I know who you're talking about that pastor who says that yep. we're going to finish this conversation and then we're going to do a second conversation here in a few minutes and I want you to bring that up there because I want to okay. I want to speak about it in the context of what we're going to talk about next okay but I do want to come back to this whole thing of a, a different preacher that we both knew. Okay. Yep. And this guy's thing was to stand up there all the time and say, you know, we're all just broken toys. Right. Right. All the time. You know, we're all just a bunch of broken toys. And, you know, we're all just a mess. We're all just a hot mess. We're all a bunch of broken toys, but Jesus right. loves us as we are. And over time, I was like, well, year in and year out and year in and year out, I hear this and I go, at what point do I become less broken? Right. At what point do I do I become less of a mess? And at what responsibility or yes. duty do I have yes. to start cleaning my act up and trying to 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 mature? And you know, they would have said, well, maturity is knowing that in prayer you just draw deeper into needing God for your mess. And I go, yeah. no, maturity, I think, is realizing that. God at some point now expects me to move from immaturity to maturity right. and increasingly grow up in Christ and right. grow up in the mind of Christ. And, and, and it was during that era, that chapter in our lives, that I was actively considering Catholicism and yeah. after that entered the Catholic Church. And I know that one of the things that during that time when I was hearing that, Right, kind of week in, week out. You know, we're all just a bunch of mass. We're all broken toys. Jesus loves us as you are. Just come to the cross every week and, you know, just throw right. yourself down and say, right. I'm a hot mess, God, and there's nothing I can do. Right. And I realized it was just bad theology. And that's why I said, I think this is doctrinal. It's terrible right. doctrine. Right. And at that time, I was reading the saints. And I started to realize 2,000 years of advice and modeling you yeah. know, within the Catholic Church from the saints and with and practical stuff. Right. How to manage your life and your time and everything from, yeah, 2,000 years of saints giving you counsel and advice and models and examples right. about how to grow and mature and become the best version of yourself. And I remember at that time having this sort of contrast of sort of hearing that week in, week out yep. and watching everybody in that community we were a right. part of just forever being sort of stuck yeah at the starting line yeah you were right never getting yeah. get yeah. never I'm, getting yeah i was just gonna say i don't want to come every week and start over right i'd like to think that i'm making progress and in the meantime i was 
actively researching and investigating Catholicism and going to masses. And I was reading all these saints and I was reading like models of a holy life. St. Francis de Sales has this, you know, famous book, you know, The Pursuit of a Devout and Holy Life. And mm-hmm. I was like, how do I do that? How do I don't want at the end of my life to God to, to have to say to God, well, you know, you gave me a body and you gave me a, a, a family and you gave me relationships and you gave me a house and you gave me a dog and you gave me time and you gave me an iPad and what did I use it all for? I'm 70 pounds overweight because I can't stop stuffing crap and junk right. food in my mouth. I watch worthless entertainment. I scroll Facebook until 1230 at night. Right. You know, I get up in the morning and, and, and drive through, you know, wherever right, right. on, you know, on the way to work and eat more junk food. I have broken relationships of every main life. My finances are a mess. Right. My dog is fat because I don't walk him. I right. mean, you know, I mean, on and on and on and on. And I go, I'm just nothing. I never grow. I never improve. And I think that's why lately I've been thinking about so much of this in my own life. Mm-hmm. That like this realization that I have not only the opportunity to grow, but a responsibility to become yeah. more mature and that God calls me. And to some degree, I have accountability right. to Christ because in that parable, he's, you know, the king or the Lord or the manager who goes away for a year and comes back and says, right. now show me, have you lived a productive life? And all of this, like... For 2,000 years, like, it w- this would have been a, a worth a pointless conversation because everybody knew this. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Like, no time in Christian history did people not think that they should be pursuing. Right. Even in the, even in the Protestant world, like, the pilgrims came here because they wanted to live a better life, right? Right, and, right. And it was all, like, in the last, really, I think, it, it, it's, it's the consumer post-World War II yeah. modernist yeah. consumer culture that said, Christianity is just something that we consume, and it has nothing to do with making any real, practical, measurable, material difference in who we are. Right, and that's and that's uh, not a good way to live. It's not even. It's not even. It's not in the end. It's not enjoyable. It's not fulfilling. You know. Yeah, it's and it's sad, and it's a terrible witness to the world. Right. I mean, this is one of the things that has struck me over time. Right, is that when I work with non-Christians and I want to try to win them to Christ and and they'll say things like I look at these Christians like okay well they're hypocrites or whatever but you know the standard line but they look around they go there's nothing like right have you ever heard this one of the standard things people will fall back on in churches is well we don't do evangelization or we don't do evangelism because we witness with our lives have you heard this yeah sure oh you know they'll just look at us and realize the difference Jesus has made and they go what what difference? Right. We could go down to the, you know, downtown today, you know, the town where right. we live. We could go walk down the street and I go, point out to me the difference between right. the Christians and the non-Christians. And look at stats. Rate of divorce. Sure. No practical difference between rate of divorce between right. Christians and non-Christians. Health. No practical sure. difference in nutrition, fitness, health, sleep, broken relationships with children, estranged right. relationships, none. Financial security, no, right? right? <clears throat> not, right. not better financial stewardship. I mean, down yes. the list, you go, what exactly is it that you think that we're displaying to the world right. 
that is attractive or makes them think that Jesus makes a difference. Well, I just know that in my heart when I go to church on Sunday and sing the songs that it gives me, you know, some <laughs> sense of happiness and peace. Right. And, and the world is going to want to come and sing those songs. Right. So I guess, you know, my rant today is just not to point at anybody else, but to point, look at myself and say, the older I get, the more I realize that I have misspent so much yeah. of my life. I have misused so many hours and opportunities in my own life. There's so much more that I could have grown. And the realization at this point in my life that with whatever time God gives me, right, I need to dedicate that to aspiring to not only just grow in my sort of internal relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. but to become in the even the external parts of my life, yeah, the best possible version of myself. Because I want to hear him say, "Well done, right, good and faithful steward." This is timely because I've you said you were ruminating and we had not talked about this, but <clears throat> I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, I'm just right there with you. So we're going to take a break here, and then we're going to go run around the secret compound. Right. You know, there's the trails. But not too much because it's hot. Oh, there's trails out here, right? So we're going right, to run yeah. run around the trails. We're going to do a couple laps in the trails. And I've got like a little CrossFit area over here, so we, we can do some pull-ups and all that. And then we'll come back improved, improved right. versions of ourselves, and we'll record the second conversation. You can do pull-ups, and I'll just hang from the bar for like eight seconds. <laughs> Now, by the way, we'll continue to tease you for a number of weeks about the new podcast, right. the uh, Greg and Ed or Ed and Greg or whatever. Whatever, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. But I don't want to tell them the name yet. I think we'll hold right. the name back a little bit. But we are going to be releasing within the next couple of months another weekly podcast where Ed and I just pursue interesting topics, not necessarily about Catholicism or Christianity, but just interesting topics right. uh, that w we think are interesting. And, Things uh, that interest us. Interest us. And uh, it's going to be all over the board. And uh, if you think that it's interesting to listen to us talk, then you're going to want to subscribe to that podcast. I'm looking well. forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.